Hello and welcome to the Ag Econ podcast for Northwest Local Land Services. Feral pigs have long been the enemy of many farmers, causing destruction and damage to both crops and livestock. In today's episode, we'll be looking at the economic impact of the pest on crops and stock in Northwest New South Wales, as well as the most cost-effective control methods, from aerial shooting to trapping, baiting and fencing. But first, let's hear from some farmers about their general experiences with feral pigs. Hi, my name's Mike. I'm a farmer from Spring Plains in New South Wales and uh, we've had problems with pigs in the past, particularly getting into our cotton and once they're in there, they're very hard to get out. It becomes very expensive and you've got to get a chopper in and do a shoot, basically. Hi, my name's Hayley. I'm a farmer from Cutterbrae, New South Wales. Feral pigs are a real nuisance in our area. The numbers tend to fluctuate with our seasons. In the good seasons, they have the potential to double annually because of all the food and water that's available to them. But in the dry seasons, it impacts us the most. The impacts that they cause are reducing numbers in during landmarking, the consumption of grain during feeding time, and the damages to fences is an ongoing cost for us. It's the maintenance and the repairs that we always have to do and illegal hunters is a real issue for us. I don't think any control method is going to completely exterminate them um, at the end of the day but for us to to keep on top of it with regular hunting within our own places and trapping and poisoning I think we can dwindle their numbers down. I'm Jim, I'm uh, a farmer in the northwest. Feral pigs they, they move around quite a bit between properties and districts and um, they are very very destructive when it comes to tearing up the soil and the crops and a huge biosecurity risk with their livestock. They do run at a heck of a risk. Um, they might go through several properties just in one night. It's hard to know where they're going to turn up. Sometimes they have little um, family groups and hang around for a while. Uh, if you don't get on top of them um, not long before you've got a lot more. When it's season's good they tend to stay under cover with uh, timbered areas and um, even tall crops. But when it turns dry, they come out on the open. But yeah, this is an ongoing problem. You just need to keep right on top of them so the numbers don't explode. As you just heard, there's no doubt feral pigs are a huge concern for farmers and graziers. So what's the most effective way to stop these pesky animals? And the big question, does the cost of control outweigh the cost of feral pig damage? Well, in 2020, Ag Econ started investigating the economic benefit of feral pig control. The study focused on nine key agricultural enterprises, considering five different control methods, and found the net benefit of control could be up to $100 per hectare. Ag Econ economists and Northwest-based farmers John Welsh and Janine Powell sat down in the studio earlier this year to discuss their feral pig findings. Hello, Ali, Janine and listeners. So, Janine, tell me, we know that feral pigs are out there. Are feral pigs a particular problem in Northwest New South Wales? Thanks, John. Well, yes, they are actually. It's been reported that in New South Wales, feral pigs are doing as much as $14 million worth of damage to agricultural enterprises a year. DPI updated their distribution and abundance mapping in 2020 
and you can see that our northwest New South Wales region has a high abundance in many of the areas, if not medium in the others. So how did you model agricultural output and and control costs over this whole region? So we obviously couldn't look at actuals. So as you said, we modelled up the losses and we looked at a range of the more common or, yeah, I guess more typical enterprises in the region. So this was barley and wheat, chickpeas, faba beans, hay, cotton, sorghum, maize or corn, you might know it, and also sheep enterprises. So there were a lot of variables in the model when each of these enterprises then considered the different control options. So the control options we looked at were aerial shooting, ground shooting, 1080 baiting, trapping and exclusion fencing. We looked at all of the relevant Australian and international research that talked about damage and control options and we put this together with a survey. We did a quite a broad survey across the region to look at people's experience with feral pigs. So we collected all that information and put it together with any published data to give us some ranges of potential losses. It sounds like this was a very detailed study, modelling losses and, uh, and certainly finding out control methods and costs. Shall we cut to the chase then? Is there an economic benefit to controlling feral pigs? Well, the answer is yes. In most cases, the cost of control is far less than the benefit you are getting. Control options are actually quite cheap. And if there's a feral pig presence on your property, they're doing damage. And that damage is most of the time worth more than the cost of control. So that made a net economic benefit most of the time. And it was quite dependent, as you said, a bit complex, depending on the different control options. But the benefit that you could be seeing by controlling feral pigs could be up to $100 a hectare. $100 a hectare, wow. So that sounds impressive or, you know, it could be said unrealistically high. So what type of damage are you talking about? Well, that is the upper end of damage. More typically, you could be looking at between 10 and $20 a hectare depending on your feral pig pressure and your commodity prices. The damage we're talking about is for crops, it's reducing the yield by rooting up freshly planted seeds or seedlings, chewing on the plants, using the crop as a habitat or even nesting in some of the taller crops. In terms of livestock, we looked at mostly lamb predation, which was the biggest issue, but it's also eating the pastures, destroying hay or improved pastures and eating grain out of feeders. So a specific example for wheat is you're looking at the value of the grain that would have been lost if the pigs hadn't been controlled. So this comes down to potentially the tonnes that you're losing multiplied by the value of the commodity. And that roughly would be valued at around $30 a hectare, which is a fair bit of damage across particularly a large number of hectares. Okay, so we're modelling the the revenue of those enterprises, um, which makes sense. But I can think of other costs and damages too. So, for example, fences. Um, If vermin such as wild pigs uh, damage fences, well, someone has to go along and repair those. Were those quantified and considered? 
Look, in this report, we didn't actually quantify that damage uh, to infrastructure or the natural environment, but we certainly acknowledge that feral pigs cause a lot more damage than just what we've reported. So I guess you could say in some ways that makes our benefits somewhat conservative. There's damage to fences, bogging up dams, preying on the uh, wildlife and also damaging riparian areas. Also, another big one that we didn't look at was the biosecurity risk of feral pigs in terms of disease. So there were some things that we didn't cover. So you talked about range of damage and benefits. Obviously, that has to occur because crop yields differ from year to year and uh, some crops are higher yielding than others. So how did you calculate this? Well, yes, yield is one variable that we looked at to get these ranges. Every farmer has a different experience with feral pigs, so we didn't want to just look and use static numbers. We looked at, for every crop, the potential yield that would have occurred without feral pig damage. We also looked at what the potential of that damage could be, which had a big range. For some people, they're not having any damage, and then for others, it can be quite high, depending on the location of the farm. Also with commodity values, we looked at a 20-year price data set to come up with that range and then looked at the cost and effectiveness of the control options, all of which had a range. So each of these variables then get multiplied together to come up with a range of potential damage and then a range of potential net benefits for each control option and for each enterprise. So Because that's a lot of calculations and a lot of numbers, we actually have done up a range of fact sheets on each control method and for each enterprise, and all those fact sheets are available on the Northwest LLS and Ag Econ websites. But essentially, the main message is that the results consistently showed that where there were feral pigs and that there is damage being done to the cropping and livestock enterprises there are definitely economic benefits of control. This is really interesting. So we talk about the variation. So how do you account for seasonal variation when you have probably more noticeable pigs in a drought when food is scarce? Then you need to account for populations and damage during really good seasons like the one that we've just had. So how do we we account for those year-on-year seasonal variations? So that variation would be covered in the damage done by feral pigs. Obviously, the larger the population, the more damage that would be done. So uh, that variable had quite a, a big range of potential damage. And you're right, it is currently a good season and sows can wean two litters every 12 or 15 months with an average of six piglets per litter. And then when a female pig reaches breeding age at five months, Given the right conditions, which is what we're seeing now, the pig population can get rapidly out of control. So it really just shows that there is incentive to get on and look at the different control methods and start a regular control program because the benefits are there to do it. They certainly are prolific breeders. And also the findings show that pigs have a preference for some crops over others. Now this came through fairly clearly in the survey data, which was very interesting. Yes, it actually was very interesting. The research papers um, confirmed that. 
that there's a taste preference for some of the chickpeas and the faba beans and the survey showed that they were the crops that were really experiencing the higher damage. Um, other crops that were experiencing higher damage were the taller crops that gave an opportunity for the feral pigs to use them as a habitat. So in summer cropping, the when the maturing cotton is tall enough, corn or maize is what we referred to it in the report, uh, and sorghum. And then in the winter crops, the faba beans are probably one of the more taller crops. And they, yeah, not only was it a taste preference, but it also used as a habitat, so can potentially experience quite high losses. So in terms of the faba beans, it's actually one of the, the larger benefits and the benefit of controlling feral pigs can be up to $65, but it's more average or more likely to be that 20 to $25 a hectare, which is a considerable benefit. So it just goes to show that it's certainly worthwhile controlling the pigs. Among the enterprises looked at in the study, which ones showed the greatest losses from, from feral pigs? Well, the largest loss... Uh, that we saw in the survey results was actually from lamb predation, which one survey respondent said that they had lost up to 60% of their lambs to feral pigs at one stage. And that is pretty horrific, I can imagine. Uh, The modelling also suggested that chickpeas, cotton, faba beans and hay were all quite likely to experience the highest economic losses And so, therefore, it would be those enterprises that would then generate the highest benefits from feral pig control. Let's talk about summer crops. Cotton, corn and sorghum at this point in the season are maturing. Should farmers be focusing on feral pig control or is it too late? At this point in the season, we've got growing and maturing crops and they're getting tall enough that the pigs would be living in the crops, so making it their habitat and even nesting there. And in the nest areas, it can cause complete destruction of the crops. So these nests are visible from the air. If you think that feral pig is a big problem, then it's a best idea to get together with the neighbours and organise an aerial shoot. So what you'd be doing by controlling feral pigs now is you're minimising the damage to the back end of this summer crop, but you're also starting to suppress the population before the winter crop is planted. So you are going to see flow-on benefits. Within this analysis, we focused on a particular enterprise, but it should be noted that controlling pigs, say, focus if you're focusing on one particular crop or season, there are going to be flow-on benefits for other crops or for area-wide benefits and for future seasons. Cotton is one of the crops in the region that has experienced quite large losses thanks to feral pigs. So I mentioned before that worst case scenario, you might be looking at around $100 a hectare losses. Well, that could potentially happen in cotton. But a more typical loss would be, say, $40 a hectare. And this is obviously um, for irrigated. There's also, you could be looking at losses of $10 on average per hectare for dry land. You're going to see the greater losses when your farm's located along natural habitats and waterways where pigs um, naturally have their habitats. So that's the damaged under cotton. The net benefits, which takes into account the cost and effectiveness of the control option, 
they were on average for cotton, depending on your control method, between $4 and $26 a hectare. Baiting and aerial shooting are the most cost-effective options and they're the ones that you'll be seeing on average a $26 a hectare benefit. So once again, the numbers really do highlight that the cost of control is quite low considering what the damage has been done and there is going to be some big benefits there. Another summer example is sorghum where growers might be experiencing up to $50 a hectare losses, probably more likely on average that $20 a hectare. And the net benefits you're looking at, say, on average about $11 a hectare and that's for baiting and aerial shooting which were once again the most cost-effective options. Baiting and aerial shooting were actually across all enterprises, the most cost-effective options. And coming into winter crops, cereals like barley, wheat, and then pulses like faba beans and chickpeas, is there anything there we should be mindful of? Well, I guess I've shown what some of the ranges of the benefits can be, and you're going to get the higher benefit when you have a bigger problem. But don't wait for the problem to get too big. You need to be assertive and to get on top of it before that damage is being done. You really just want to avoid as much of the damage from the feral pigs if you can. If you've got feral pig presence on your farm, try and address it sooner rather than later. Get together with neighbours and make a plan for some of the more broader cost-effective options like aerial shooting and baiting. There can be some funding to subsidise both of these options, so it's worth looking into. You can coordinate on your free feeding days, which is when you are feeding grain unbaited to try and lure the pigs in. So where baiting isn't an option, trapping is very useful in the high traffic areas. So in terms of your winter crops, the modelling indicated that chickpeas are experiencing some of the highest losses, as you said, John. Uh, Once again, that can be into the realms of $100. This is a combination of the extent of the damage done to the crop and the value of the commodity. The faber beans also highly affected and it's worth looking at the fact sheets on both of these if these are some of your main winter crops. Pigs have an amazing sense of smell and I have actually seen where pigs have dug up freshly planted faba beans in neat little rows following the tines curving around the edge of a field and it really made it clear to me why pigs are used to pinpoint the location of truffles. It was quite a neat digging up scenario. They certainly do have a good sense of smell, Janine. They can smell grain in self-feeders in paddocks, I'm sure livestock producers will testify that uh, they certainly can track those feeders down very, very quickly when grain is filled into those uh, feeders. So on to livestock now. The economic benefits, how did they differ? The economic benefit of sheep did range quite a bit. Uh, We had to look at exclusion fencing differently. We looked at a scenario where the lambing paddocks were fenced off at using 150 kilometres worth of fencing, because it's such a high upfront cost, it was unfeasible to fence the whole farm. But in terms of the lambing paddocks, you could be looking up, up to, say, $22 a hectare, and but on average, probably more like $5 a hectare. 
So exclusion fencing is a little bit different to the other methods. For starters, it's the only non-lethal option that we looked at. And in the survey, it was reported and it was found to be the most effective control option. Although it is also one that essentially would shift the problem rather than suppressing or eradicating the pig population. So it is at odds with area-wide management. It also has a high upfront cost. It's roughly $15,000 a kilometre and that can vary depending on the type of fencing that you're looking at. So it's quite a large upfront long-term investment, unlike the others which need to be part of an ongoing control program. So rather than large broadacre farming paddocks, the modelling showed for exclusion fencing that it can have quite good benefits when it's applied to smaller areas that are highly productive. And one example I just gave was the lambing paddocks. And we didn't actually even look at the benefits of excluding other pests such as foxes or wild dogs. So that would also be an additional benefit. Certainly with a six foot high exclusion fence also there'll be uh, fencing kangaroos out for example who can certainly add a lot of wheat crops and, and other crops which is hard to delineate in a study where you look at an investment like that, isn't it, Janine? Yeah, that's right. So I guess we focused on the numbers that we could quantify, but they would be additional benefits. Let's focus now on the control methods that we found that stand out. The benefit of the different control methods really came down to how effective they were. So I mentioned earlier that aerial shooting was a quite a cost-effective option and it really is highly effective and the mod- it's a moderate cost. It could be between, say, 2 and $5 a hectare depending on flying time, basically, that comes down to. And the larger area you do, so in, in terms of area-wide management, it can create cost efficiencies and bring that cost down. So aerial shooting came back as some of the highest benefits in terms of avoided yield loss. So along with the aerial shooting was also the 1080 baiting and it was also noted as a highly effective control option and it's cheaper again. You're looking at between $1 and $2 a hectare. So it's very low cost when you're considering some of that high amount of damage that's been done. The modelling showed that basically always the cost of this control method was easily outweighed by the benefits. So there was always a net economic benefit when doing both the 1080 baiting and the aerial shooting. The trapping and ground shooting were a little bit more variable in their results. The effectiveness of trapping can be quite variable and costly because it comes down to the labour required. But as with all these options there is a place where they can be useful so trapping would be a very good option where baiting wasn't appropriate and ground shooting was modeled as the least effective control method because it has a tendency to scatter the population once the first few shots have been taken and it also is higher cost if it's used as a routine program because of that amount of labor associated with it but ground shooting does have its uses and particularly in targeted or opportunistic control such as say when you're harvesting paddocks that you know pigs are living in. Interesting aerial shooting has come back as the most 
effective and moderate cost option. Uh, it's probably worth noting that the aerial shooting was also contingent on you know, population density and whether or not you were trying to track down that last final pig to eradicate. So control is a little bit different to elimination too, isn't it, with, with aerial shooting? Definitely. There, it did have quite a variance there. And you're right, there were times when the aerial shooting did get quite expensive if there is only a small population or the vegetation is quite dense, the aerial shooting probably wouldn't be the best control option. And I guess that's where it comes down to, again, that they all have their place um, in terms of a continued and managed control program. So just picking and choosing which control methods are right for the conditions. So with the aerial shooting you are actually required to be licensed and that makes the shooting more humane and also reduces the cost of control. Okay, well, that's probably a good segue into the next little piece, which is area-wide management. That's something that many in the cotton industry would associate with uh, control of insects and and other crop pests. But in this case, feral pigs and area-wide management. Can you elaborate on that? So I guess to start with, area-wide management is basically not an individual farmer. It's when the pest is managed and the control of the pest is planned by a geographic group. So it could be a group along a waterway or in a particular region. And what this does is it creates a coordinated approach that usually results in a larger reduction of the population. So that means the benefits are larger and it will take longer for the repopulation of that pest. And also it can create economies of scale with those control costs. So aerial shooting is one that I've already mentioned and ground baiting, which can be quite useful in an area-wide management plan. Interesting. So tell me, Janine, coming from a farming family and business yourself, this study certainly would have been an eye-opener. So can you just put your finger on a, a couple of points that may have changed what you do in your business regarding feral pigs and how they've influenced your farm management? Well, I guess my first eye-opener was how quickly the feral pig population can build up and also the size of the economic losses. It was an eye-opener and it, I guess, has prompted us to focus on regular feral pig control We were certainly doing it, but maybe it was a little bit more ad hoc and reactive rather than proactive. And whilst we've always seen the benefit in coordinating aerial shoots with our neighbours, I think now we see that it is worthwhile to do them perhaps a little bit more regularly before the numbers get out of control. So I guess that was my take-home message from doing this whole uh, analysis for my farm, it is don't wait till you see a whole lot of pigs and they're a big problem. Just try and stay on top of it and don't let the population build up. What about you, John? I guess from a livestock perspective, the spread of lepto is carried. Uh, they are carriers of, of the virus lepto, which can lead to abortion and mortality at birth. So that's a big, big cost, which probably um, is interesting that hasn't been modelled. So we know that livestock losses are quite conservative of the costs and controls there and I guess the damage they can also do to fences when you when you have a sheep operation they can certainly wreck fences which require labor to fix big holes that then you know sheep especially can get out of quite easily 
um, which is an annoying trait of, of the pigs, but also how quickly they can breed up just to see those numbers, those breeding turnarounds and the, and the fecundity they have is, is quite sobering when you think of, you know, you may not have a problem in six, in, in now, but in six months' time it can be completely different. So it is a good reminder to see just how quickly a problem can evolve. Thank you for listening to the Ag Econ podcast for Northwest Local Land Services. For more information about the feral pig study, please see the link in our show notes or head to the LLS or Ag Econ websites, or you can follow us on social media. If you found today's podcast helpful, please hit subscribe or share with a friend. Thank you.